Well, when I think about like resiliency in our like Indigenous high school students, like that is um, something that they all come with in spades and that we are really learning from them and so humbled to be um, sharing spaces with them. You know, um, it's definitely not something that they need experience with. And I think most Indigenous people in this uh, in this country feel that they have a lot of experience in having to be resilient. And, um, you know, I think that's been a really beautiful part um, so far. And I feel like we're so early into our program, I can't wait to see how it continues to develop. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Nahani Olson. She is the featured guest in Season 4, Episode 3 of YXC Underground. mentorship program at the University of Saskatchewan is pairing Indigenous high school students in Saskatoon with U of S students and Hani Olsen can't wait to see it grow. She is the coordinator of this new program and as you'll discover, Nahani is the perfect person to lead it. Building Intercultural Resilience Mentorship Program, or BIRM, started earlier this year. The goal is to create meaningful change for Indigenous youth to achieve their goals and better their communities. For Nahani Olson, she sees the best way of reaching Indigenous youth in our community is through meaningful relationships. Nahani was an educator with the Saskatoon Public School Division in community schools starting back in 2008. She was also the first ever Indigenous student advocate at Bedford Road Collegiate. This year, she has taken on the role of BIRM Program Coordinator with the University of Saskatchewan. The program is in the pilot stage and is partnering with two local high schools, Mount Royal Collegiate and Bedford Road Collegiate, to connect Indigenous high school students with university students. One of Nahani's focuses so far with Berm has been finding university students who want to give back to their community through this mentorship program. Students like Dancer Onimi Do Nepiaisko Nitsigasun. My Cree name is Dancing Leaves Woman. Uh, my English name is Jocelyn Chief. I'm from Onion Lake Cree Nation and I currently reside just outside of Saskatoon. Uh, well, I graduated from Bedford Road, um, I went there for four years. And I absolutely loved it. I loved the teachers. I loved the students. Um, I also loved being a part of BRIT. Um, and I thought that this would be a way for me to give back to the school, give back to the teachers, and help support their current students. Um, well, I think with their Indigenous students specifically, um, what I noticed when I went there was a lot of them didn't have um, people their own age or a few years older to really look up to for a good and healthy support system. Um, and I feel like I can provide them a, um, uh, like as a good role model for them. Um, I live an alcohol and drug-free life. Um, I work hard in my studies um, and I help maintain uh, healthy relationships between my friends and my family. And I would like to show them that um, despite being indigenous and going through intergenerational trauma that these things um, are achievable. 
showing Indigenous students that anything is possible and instilling that belief in them is something Nahani is very passionate about. That passion comes through clearly in the first part of our conversation. We met in the University Bowl on campus on an unseasonably warm November day and found a bench to sit on and chat. Spend five minutes with Nahani and you feel like you've known her for years. She listens intently, she is kind and caring, and is a big believer in the power of relationships, especially when it comes to Indigenous youth. I started our conversation by asking why she thought Saskatoon needed a mentorship program like Berm. So the last four years I've been working out of Bedford Road as the Indigenous Student Advocate, and which is a really... Um, incredible position and I love doing that work. Um, my sort of where I felt that there was that need was that it's like so much. Um, there's so many areas that you have to hit to support Indigenous youth. You know like there's the mental health piece and then there's the community piece and there's the culture piece and there's education piece. There's post-secondary, there's you know there's housing, there's there's so many pieces to it and then so to have I, when I saw this opportunity where I thought I can really focus on this post-secondary piece and how we transition our, and how we help our Indigenous students, not just transition, but to like actually just see themselves going somewhere beyond high school. And so that's really what drew me to it um, in that I was raised to like have that belief that it wasn't like the, the assumption was that I was going to go beyond high school. I was going to get, you know, explore a career. I was going to university. Those were the assumptions that I was brought up with. And then when I started working with Indigenous students in high school, it's like you realize that their assumptions about themselves and um, from the community that they live in is that they might graduate high school. So like changing those assumptions that they have about themselves and then um, I guess challenging those assumptions that they face. That must have been... Well, I, yeah. Like, what what was that like when you when when that became clear to you at at that at the high school level that the expectation isn't okay. Well, one day you'll go to university. It's it's oh my gosh, it, it will be great if you could just graduate high school. What was that like for you? Well, you know, actually, what happened was when I was this was years before that when I was teaching kindergarten um, at the Confederation Park School in the Cree Language and Culture Program, Wakotawin School now. I had, um, we had these like what were called literacy walks. So administrators would come and they would go through the classrooms and they would see like what we were doing for literacy and how do we were engaging literacy in our classrooms. Anyway, I, I didn't think too much about it. I was just doing my regular thing and I had this administrator come through and they were my grade A teacher. And she recognized me and she said, oh, Nahani, you made it. And I was like, it, it just kind of, it, it sat with me and I processed and I, I realized, oh, your assumption was that I wouldn't make it, right? So that's actually where it started was that even like myself and I never thought twice about my outcome. I never thought twice that I wouldn't graduate or that I wouldn't go to post-secondary. That the people that were like, you know, my teachers and people in the community again were like, that was not what they were assuming about me. They were assuming the opposite. Like, oh, you, that was the surprise. It was like, oh, you made it. And I was, I thought after all these years and you feel like so much has changed about our community perceptions of Indigenous people that like, that is still such a, just a prevalent belief that we have about Indigenous youth. It's like, hopefully they make it. Were, were you hearing, that's, that's a, that's quite a story. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for sharing it. But it's like, oh. Yeah. It, um. Like, you know, you get, it sounds terrible. You get kind of used to, 
those comments when you become successful as an indigenous person like you get the you get used to people like that surprise i guess like oh you know like for instance my sister is a judge and she um we were just had a big birthday celebration for her and we checked into the hotel and she showed her, her id and oh they said oh you're a judge so you know and it's still like those again those are kind of the and i she said like oh did you notice that and i was like Oh, is that what they said? Yeah. Oh, she was so surprised. You're a judge? It's like, why are you surprised that I'm a judge? You know? So with this mentorship program then, when when you're working with with high school students, and because and, and you, you've been in, working in, in high schools for so long, how... How challenging is it for to get students to to go beyond that and, and to to see themselves um, as not only graduating high school but then coming to a place like the University of Saskatchewan or, or, or wherever? How hard is that, Nahani? I think it really depends on um, obviously, I guess their support system that they have already at home or in their communities, and um, there it really depends on their experience that they've had in schools. So if they've had even one person in their life that's believed in them and, and made that assumption about them, that yes, you will. You have the capacity and you have the whatever potential to do whatever you want to do. Um, that can make, it makes such a huge impact. It really does. But, you know, and it, it just boggles the mind that there's kids still who have never had someone say that to them in their lives. Um, and, you know, there's teachers doing really incredible work and being such advocates for their students and supporting them. But there are still people who work in these systems that are are not, right? And they're, and they're still causing damage or they're still um, holding that status quo of, um, you know, that maybe you'll graduate kind of attitude. Um, one of the things I was curious to ask you about um, is the resiliency part in in the in the berm program um how how important is is that um not only in terms of of the students that are graduating high school but also with with the the university students that are going to be involved in mentoring these students i i I love the word resiliency and i'm just curious like what what it means to you yeah um well when i think about like resiliency in our like indigenous high school students like that is um, something that they all come with in spades and that we are really learning from them and so humbled to be um, sharing spaces with them. You know, um, it's definitely not something that they need experience with. And I think most Indigenous people in this uh, in this country feel that they have a lot of experience in having to be resilient. And, um, you know, I think that's been a really beautiful part um, so far, and I feel like we're so early into our program, I can't wait to see how it continues to develop. But um, with these university students and coming in, and it's like I've witnessed that like breath coming out of their bodies as they realize just how incredibly strong and resilient these youth are. What, what does that look like? Um, I think like literally you can see someone being like the, a jaw drop or like they like lose their breath or freezing in time um just knowing like listening to the stories of these young people or listening to um, their experiences and um yeah it's really it's because i think that they take it for granted you know a lot of people who um come up in this province especially um in you know as like white presenting or as um 
you know, settler Canadians, I think there's this, which we have quite a few students who have said, like, I had no idea that this is what, like, Indigenous people have gone through or, or that our Indigenous students are facing every single day. So it's like that, like that veil coming off, right? Like, um, which is really cool. It's really powerful. And, and I really have so much respect for these students who are putting themselves, like the university students who are put, making, like it's, we have to be very vulnerable um, to say like, I had no idea. That, you know what, that's a really good point because I, I think for, for a, lot of, a lot of people, and I know sometimes I, I've struggled with this too, is it, you're, you feel embarrassment that you, you didn't know this. And then for these university students to say, yeah, I, I, I didn't know this. And, and, and yet they're, they're considered the mentors and yet there's still so much for them to learn. And I think that's really something that I've tried to put at the front of like building this program together is that I like, and we're building it together. Like in no way do I see myself as like the like chief person who's like designing what we do every day. It's like what, when we sit together in this circle, like what are we all working towards and what do we all need to learn? And, you know, like I've really tried to lead with that with our mentors when I first met with them before we met our students that like this is not a top-down situation where they're coming in and they've got all the skills and they have all the knowledge and they're going to pass that on to the students that um, like we're going to learn as much if not more from these students than we're going to <laughs> be teaching them. Why, why was that approach to, to education so important for you to like to set the tone right away? Why was that important to you? I think that, especially when you work with marginalized people, there's obviously this sort of default to have a savior mentality or to have a like superiority, an idea of superiority, which is just very false. And you know, when you work with what I found in working with Indigenous youth all these years is, um, if you want to engage them and you want them to buy into what you're doing, uh, you have to respect them and you have to show them that. They, they do have a place there, right? What they're bringing, their experience and their knowledge and their lives is as rich and as valuable as what you're trying to share with them. And um, providing, I guess, that seat at the table. Empowerment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it just reminds me so much of, of where we're at Sherbrooke. Um, our, our, our CEO is she calls herself a chief empowerment officer. And that was such, when I started there five years ago, I found that so refreshing that she was, you know, it, it wasn't a top down where, you know, let's empower each other and let's, let's go forward that way. Um, yeah. And it's it just, to me, that just makes so much sense. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, um, it's not always how things are run with youth and or in schools or, you know, um, these are institutions that we've been running for the past 150 years or whatever that haven't really changed all that much despite the fact that um, our population that we're serving has changed in, like so immensely and even in the last 10 years um, you know the needs and the um, the, diver the diversity of the students that we're working with is just so uh, is so incredible and it's so vast that you know you can't expect to one size fit all or to have that top down um what what changes have you seen in the last 10 years in 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 working in the, in the schools you're giving me a look right now like oh this changes i mean i in a lot of ways i still feel that i'm a young teacher you know i have only i've been in the systems for like 12 years and but um 
it's incredible to see how much has changed even in that time. And it's really, um, I think it's what happens as we see identities and diverse identities being recognized and acknowledged. So even when you look at gender and sexuality in youth, like when I first started 12 years ago at Mount Royal Collegiate, you didn't have, I think we had a GSA, like a Gay Straight Alliance um, club, but there wasn't this like huge spectrum of identities. It was sort of like you're gay, you're straight, or you're an ally, you know, like it was very narrow. And now like, it's just this incredible, spectrum of identities and that students can they bring that with and they've always been there right but that we are just acknowledging and we're recognizing them now you know but um, it certainly does make the job of you know running a classroom or running a program more complicated right because um in a good way because those people obviously deserve you know their acknowledgement and their um the, the things that they need as well, which I don't think historically they have been given. <laughs> I was I was curious to ask if, as an educator, it's um, like you you have to stay on your toes, don't you, and, and stay up to date with everything. I mean, you don't. You should. <laughs> yes. and, That's a very good point. Yeah, and I think that you, um, if you don't, you will, um, you know, you'll pay for it in other ways. That's the thing, and. Uh, yeah, even when I think about like diagnoses of something like ADHD, it's like when I first started, very rare, you know. And then now I feel like even when working with university students and so many of the students that I met and interviewed, they led with that. Well, I've, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. And the idea that like in this past few years, we've gone from like the stigmatization of things like ADHD or learning disabilities and or sexual identities to now that's something we lead with in our um, introductions of ourselves is really it's really incredible and if that's the thing if you if you get to know these things and you embrace them and you uh, make space for those things in your program or in your classroom whatever like it's so worth it because those people will actually show up and they actually are engaged and they actually you know when you see yourself in that space then you can act you can contribute to it and you can you know you gain so much more from it as an educator than trying to that one size fits all or square peg round hole listening to episode three, season four of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and my guest is educator, advocate, and BIRM program coordinator, Nahani Olson. You can follow and listen to YXE Underground on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the website, yxeunderground.com, or wherever you find your podcast. And don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast and leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. You can also follow YXE Underground on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and that's where you'll see some lovely photos of Nahani taken by my friend, Rana Andres. What makes a good mentor? That's a question I've been asking myself a lot lately as I'm part of a U of S alumni mentorship program that started just this month. I've never been a mentor before, so I was eager to get Nahani's thoughts on the subject. 
Another person who was eager to talk about the qualities of a good mentor was Jocelyn Cheap, who we heard earlier from in this episode. Not only is she a mentor in the Berm program, but she was a student at Bedford Road Collegiate when Nahani was the school's Indigenous student advocate. When I spoke with Jocelyn, she couldn't say enough wonderful things about Nahani and the role she played in her academic success. She also shared a story that I think shows Nahani's strengths and convictions as an Indigenous role model. She helped me with a lot of things, actually. She actually is the one that um, influenced me to start wearing ribbon skirts on campus and within classrooms. Um, before that, I didn't, um, I didn't see that. I didn't see ribbon skirts being worn on the daily basis. Um, with my family, we, we just wore them to ceremonies. Um, and then when I started seeing Nahani wear them, I asked my parents, like, are ribbon skirts something you can wear on the daily basis and they said yeah you can wear them anywhere so then I started doing that and it's all because Nahani did that Nahani Nahani broke through and wore ribbon skirts in a place that I had never seen them before in the final part of our conversation Nahani shares why today's indigenous youth are so inspiring and how success will be measured in the burn program I started by asking Nahani what she looks for in a mentor well I definitely lead with like family relationships that's how I see the mentor-mentee relationship is as um, and I think like at, you know raised as a Cree person that is how we review all of our relationships is through this lens of kinship and how do we relate to one another um, and that's really how I approach the the mentors that I sought out as well as you know you can just sense that in a person I think you, the openness to develop a relationship, um, to develop a deep relationship with somebody. And when I, again, when I was leading up to training these mentors, that's something that I wanted to put at the forefront as well, is that we we treat each other as family. So, you know, when I work in schools and I have high school students that are come into my program or do, you know, are involved in whatever I'm doing, like, I don't see them as students outside of my like myself they like become my family so they're like my nieces and my nephews and these mentors the same thing depending on their age some of them are not much older than high school students um i treat them like my nieces and nephews or my my cousins or my brothers and sisters and um you know i think that that's such a powerful relationship because it allows you to um not criticize but you can give feedback to your like siblings in a way that's very direct um and but it always has love with it. That's the thing. So I used to like say caring, but I always meant love. And now I'm just like very like upfront about the fact that like I I lead with love. Everything I do is I lead with love for these kids, and that's like for my mentors too. I'm like, my, I love my mentors too. I love like they're if that's the foundation of our relationship. When you have a relationship that's built on love, you can. You can do those things. You can call somebody out, right? You can, or you can provide really structured feedback to them, or you can push them to to do something or to try something new. Um, and yeah, it was really important to me that the people that I was meeting and interacting with, they they sort of bounced back with that. If that makes sense, I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, it it does. And like you said, when you when you lead with love, and when you have that, I, I like the analogy of in terms of. They're your nieces and nephews. They're your family. And when you are family, sometimes you have conflict. But at the core of it is is you love that person. And that 
opens up so many more possibilities, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's just that safety that's created, um, you know, when you have... Because these students that we're working with, like, they um, they do have stories, and they're, some of the stories are really hard and really heavy and really difficult, and if you can create that space for them to feel safe and accepted and not judged by those stories and by those experiences, then, um, again, it's sort of that's how you get that engagement piece and that empowerment piece. Um, so yeah, definitely you have to, you gotta have the, I don't know if you've seen the movie. Um, oh my gosh. Now. Oh my gosh. What's the movie? Okay. You don't have to put this in like, obviously edit this out. Um, shit. but he's like, it's such a great scene cause they're eating waffles at this restaurant. And then he's like, What's that movie called? It's got Maya Rudolph and the guy from The Office. I don't know. What's his name? And then the guy. Anyway, so there's a scene there at this <laughs> restaurant, and they're talking about their like the marriage. It's a, he's talking about his marriage and how um, they're like, how have you done it? How have you made it all these years? And you have, they have all these children that they've adopted, and it's like, how do you, you know, you've gotten through these difficult times with like all these this diverse kids and you know the struggles they've had with uh, you know with having their own children and and he's talking about how none of that matters if it and he's like building this house out of waffle pieces and if you have the love and he's pouring syrup all over it. And it's like the love gets in and it fills in all of those gaps and it holds it all together. And that's really what <laughs> it's such, a, but it's always stuck. That has always stuck with me. And I really believe that like, you know, especially these kids and I hate to, um, you know, play into any stereotypes or anything, but truly a lot of these kids don't have a lot of love in their lives. And, you know, that's like a definitely, um, this inheritance of the colonial violence that we live with is that they might not have family. They might be separated from family. Their family might be in another place or might be in prison or they might have addictions. So if we can, you know, pour that love on them when we have them, that how strong that they can become. Yeah. That was really nice. That was good. Uh, that was, that was really, and, and yeah, no, no, we got there. That was good. Um, so then when you, you you must be you must be a good judge of character because you you are trusting these university students to 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 show these high school students love and and form like a, a really meaningful relationship like you're, you're entrusting them you're empowering them aren't you yes um i hope so i hope i'm a good judge of character <laughs> It was honestly when I'm like the people that were drawn. I, I have a st- actually the student who you're talking to, um, Jocelyn. She always teases me because I'm always saying creator's plan. Whenever something happens and it's not the way we kind of planned it, it's creator's plan. So we don't really get a choice in how this happens, and it's the best thing to happen. And um, you know, these p- university students that have signed up for this program are just like the most incredible people. And when we were interviewing and, um, you know, meeting them, it was to listening to their stories. I just thought, how can we, it just, it just showcased how we can be so different and we can have such different backgrounds and we have such different upbringings and we are still the same, right? And we're still connected and that all of them are driven by the same beliefs and they want to, they want to help. They want to give back. They want to, you know, um, make a difference and they want to learn more so that that really is those, they, they all have that in common. So, um, I don't know if I'm a great judge of character. 
Um, but I definitely have been very lucky with the people that I've um, been able to work with. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know I know the program is in its infancy, but when 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 will you start to see that you know you're that that it's working? So. This is something very difficult for teachers and educators um, because we like, want, we've, I've taught you the math lesson and you can learn, you know how to do the math now. It's, so it's, it, a lot of the time it's instant results, what we do, or it's like over the course of a semester. So when I first started as an advocate at uh, Bedford, this was in 2017, I was like so hard on myself, like, oh my gosh, you know, I, there's not enough an impact and, you know, more kids should be engaged or more kids should be coming back to in their class or doing better in school. And um, I had to really sort of, you know, shake myself up and get rid of that mindset that um, I need, we need instant results. And my sister actually really helped me with that because she, um, she's working with people in the justice system that have gone through the education system and they've gone through the, you know, um, the child welfare system and they've gone through all these other systems and she they're adults now and so and they so she said I've you don't know how many people that I've seen in court that have said to me if I didn't I wouldn't have turned around or I wouldn't have stopped myself or I wouldn't have made this choice if I didn't have that one person back in grade six who said to me you don't have to do this so that really changed my expectations of when will I know if what I'm doing is effective or working and that I might not ever see the results of what I'm doing with these kids like I might not ever know if the time I spent with Johnny made a difference in his life and I just have to sort of trust creator's plan that 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 relationship or that experience that we share um, is has planted a seed so that's sort of I stopped thinking like looking for results and sort of just changed into believing that I was planting seeds everywhere and then what happened was four years after I started at Bedford like you could I suddenly you could see there were plants I didn't even know that they had were growing right like but I can't I would run into somebody else years later and I, oh yeah and like so just understand it like this program itself this mentorship program you can see it working right away in like um, those interactions Right, so that's an instant result. But um, for me, when the result is when, um, or the success is measured by, I guess, when we sort of change those, it's hard to measure when you change those belief systems that we're carrying and that students are carrying around with them um, as to where they can see themselves or, or their worth. And, um, you know, that's partially measured through things like, people who are attending post-secondary um, or you know what happens to people after high school it's partially measured by that uh, but I think again it's it's really hard to measure because it's really about a belief and it's how you see yourself um, and that happens mostly through conversation and through experience with students you know years down the way um, but yeah I, there's also there's you know measurable outcomes as well so when my time at you know the high school that I was working at, like there, when I first started there, that their graduation rates were, you know, very, very low for Indigenous students. And then after four years of working there, that we had increased it to like an exponential amount, right? So there's, and then I think we will see that. And I really believe that if we can, you know, it's always kind of comes down to the 
the people paying for these things, if they can believe and trust this process and let it have time for those seeds to start to sprout and start to grow, then you will see those same outcomes, you know, seeing things um, like the improvement in the community outcomes. Those will come with time, uh, but we, it, it does take time. May I ask you a personal question? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> no, honey, what, why, does, why does this work mean so much to you? Um... That's a really good question. I don't know that it's personal. You know, I think... I wasn't expecting that for an answer. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's... I, I, I don't know. It just feels right. You know, it feels... It, and I, I'm, I honestly, I'm, it's something I'm very good at. And I tell kids that all the time, too. Like, when they're like, well, I don't know what I want to do. Like, after I graduate, I don't... It's like, I don't want to be a doctor or a teacher because, like, a lot of the time there's only, like, five jobs that they see themselves doing or that they, like, or that they think exist. And I always say, like, well, what are you good at right now? Like, what have you done that's made you go, like... And you haven't had to try too hard at it. It kind of comes naturally to you. And you've gone, like, oh, yeah, I'm good at this. Or, like, I can... I learned that really fast. And that's... Um, you know, or you know, this morning we were meeting with our team here at the university and our uh, cultural advisor, Bob Badger, he was giving us all superpowers. And so he said, and he was, it was just, it was so nice to, to hear from him. And he said that my superpower was like kindness and caring and wor this work with youth. And I really do believe that, like, you know, it's something that I'm really good at is connecting with young people. And, um, it makes me feel good. That, I guess that's is that that's the most selfish reason that I could have for like doing this work. <laughs> but I, I think that's right because I, I was I was going to challenge you for a second because you're obviously so passionate about doing this that that's why I I thought like this this would be personal for you. But you bring up a good point in terms of like you know your superpowers. It it fits perfectly in your role, doesn't it? Yeah, it it definitely and I'm deaf. Like I said earlier it's not um I don't think I'm a very good teacher in a lot of ways um but I've always been a expert relationship builder and I think that part of the passion comes from um that sense of I guess justice or sense of you know believing in in these students knowing that they have they deserve ever like they deserve to be in every space that they're in and they don't get taught that, you know, so, and letting them know that, giving them a voice, like giving youth a voice and letting them know what you're feeling. You're like, you're not crazy. Like you're, you're not telling yourself lies because like, they'll say like, oh, well, you know, that person um, was following me around, but it probably was nothing. Or like, oh, well, that person I they only they told me to go into construction even though I want to be like go into indigenous studies at university it's like those aren't lies like those aren't false things that you're believing it's like these are all okay this is going to make sense in like a minute <laughs> for the record Nahani just turned to me and stared at me straight in the eye so okay I swear to god what I'm saying is that I remember a couple years ago this maybe was my first year as the advocate and i i was like as indigenous people working in systems like colonial systems it's exhausting and it really drags you down and you kind of go like why am i here what am i doing this for when like this system is not made for us 
and I you know something I love about my my job working with youth and not being a teacher is that I kind of get to go on rants and I so I think I was ranting about this to because uh, too I want them to understand they have they live those experiences all the time too they feel that weight all the time too so they see me and I'm able to talk about it I'm able to name it in ways that maybe they're not able to and she said the student said to me like well yeah like we'll keep showing up like the students we'll keep coming we'll keep showing up and she said and then when we when we get there we're gonna burn those systems to the ground and I was like yeah that's why I'm here you know and that's what kind of like what keeps me going and keeps me um like able to do this work too is that like this next generation of young people is so incredible they're so strong and they're so fearless you know that like we are sort of like building them up to like to do this to take these systems back or to or to burn them down and create new systems that work for them um so i think that's a roundabout way <laughs> it must be exciting for you to be a part of this it really is you know because um like i said there's um a feeling i guess maybe is imposter syndrome there's imposter syndrome there's like um just beliefs that you 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 know feel you inherit from people and when you work through these systems or you walk into the store or whatever that um you know you don't belong there or these systems are not for you and so i think i come from a generation of acceptance and assimilation so we were like we're gonna make our way through by you know acting as white as we can or you know not um making any waves and not causing any trouble and then like now and then we did, and actually, a few like maybe two years ago, I had a these student these young people now they don't accept that right they're like wait a second, the these systems are meant to oppress us and this is how we're going to dismantle them and we're going and we're not asking for permission we're going to go and do that and um, I'm like that I just think that's so incredible I was telling this um, young woman that I think she might be in her third year university now and she's. I was telling her that I just love watching you young people now like I'm not that old okay like I'm 38 years old um I'm young myself but um I was like this is so cool I'm so proud of you young people these days and she's like well you got you 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 like carved the path for us and I was like I didn't like that was the generation before I'm not old like I'm a I'm right there with you sis but no it's true it's it's incredible to see um just how um empowered and how um confident and educated and um incredible these young people are yeah it's exciting to be a part of it um it has been exciting speaking with you today i I, like i told you before we got rolling i was slightly nervous to speak with you because um i've i've heard so many amazing things about you from uh, my wife and my friend leslie walters and um and yeah, they're correct. You're, it was so wonderful to speak with you, and um, I, I wish you the best of luck with the mentorship program because I, I think I think it's 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 going to be awesome. And, and like you said, it, you might not see the results right away, but like you said, the, you take the big you know the big picture and look at it the long road, and it's going to have success. So um, thanks for meeting me today on a uh, beautiful Friday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, it's um, thanks for asking questions and being interested. You know, and I think. It's it, it is exciting to be part of a project like this that's never been done in our um, 
our province, I believe, um, connecting university students with Indigenous high school students. And it's really exciting to be, I'm not a planner, that's another reason I'm not a very good teacher, um, is that I'm not a long-term, very good at long-term planning. So I'm so excited to see what we build, like by the end of the year, and you know, what skills and um, goals that these young people will see themselves doing and be able to um, achieve together. And um, yeah, so you, everyone listening should follow us on social media. I don't know if you're going to ask me that, but um, <laughs> um, Berm, B-I-R-M, USASC on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, if there's, we'll be recruiting people in the spring again to become mentors. And, um, you know, I hope to expand the project. Like, I think that um, there's going to be a lot in, of interest moving forward for sure. And I'd love to have mentors in every school in the city, you know, eventually. Um, but I definitely am, will need like many copies of myself to, uh, to get there. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to be, to be developing it and see where it goes for sure. So thanks for your time as well. No <laughs> Thank you, Nahani. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My thanks to Nahani Olson for taking the time to be on the podcast and sharing her story. And like you heard Nahani say, you can follow the Berm program on Facebook and Instagram. And if you're wondering what the movie was called that Nahani and I could not remember for the life of us, it's called Away We Go. And Jim from The Office is in it. How could we forget Jim? He's like the best one. This has been episode three, season four of YXC Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I'm the host, editor, and producer of this local independent podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can follow and listen to YXC Underground on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the website, or wherever you find your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Follow YXE Underground on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that's where you'll see some wonderful photos of Nahani taken by Saskatoon photographer and my friend, Rana Andres. I want to thank Danger Dynamite for all of their wonderful work on the website, and I want to thank my cousin Andrew Dixon for creating the original theme music for YXE Underground. And a quick note that we have some really cool YXE Underground merchandise coming out just in time for the holiday season, so be on the lookout for that on social media. And a big thanks to Motif Marketing for helping me out on that front. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were conducted on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.